the helmet on Shireen. I got my camera and I wore the helmet and I followed her. We were all wearing our protective gear, a vest and a helmet. We stood so that they could see us well and recognize us as journalists. This is Ali and Shadeen walking by Salim. When we made sure that there were no confrontations, we started walking slowly, with slow steps. And about 25 seconds later, here they are walking with Shada and Mujahid up the street, all in their press jackets, just past the spot where Salim had a view of the military. <laughs> Suddenly, a round of bullets was fired. I shouted, Shireen, they're shooting at us. We have to get out of here. These are experts from a uh, new documentary uh, by Al Jazeera, Fault Lines, investigating the uh, killing of uh, American journalist Shireen Abu Akla, Abu Akla, who, um, uh, which happened six months ago, more than six months ago, and um, no one has built, been held accountable for this. Of course, Shireen is an American journalist of Palestinian heritage. Palestinian-American, but uh, working for Al Jazeera. Uh, later on in the program, we're going to actually be joined by one of the producers of this documentary, this powerful documentary, and speak to them about uh, what their investigation uncovered. Uh, Summer, so I'm looking forward to that. And um, so we'll be right back right after the short music break. And um, for our show, this is True Talk on WMNF 88.5.
True Talk on WMNF 88.5 with Welcome to True Talk on WMNF 88.5 with uh, Ahmed and Summer. And this is a song called Sara by Reem Banna. Reem Banna. Reem Banna is a Palestinian. It's a sad song. It's a sad song, and the story of Reem is sad because she passed away a few years ago from uh, breast cancer. Uh, she's iconic, a very important Palestinian uh, singer. And uh, she was 51 only. And we ha- I had her one time, Ahmed, on the radio show. And when I visited uh, Palestine, I uh, met her in Nazareth, a beautiful uh, city in Palestine. And, um, and uh, she was seeing her doctor, actually, uh, that day. She was mm. in remission. But this uh, song, song in Sarah particular... About, about, about Sarah? A, no, Sarah is a Palestinian uh, girl who was... Um, shot uh, by a sniper, by a bullet uh, uh, in Israel, um, uh, as usual by the Israeli so-called defense forces. And of course, no accountability, no no accountability whatsoever, just like uh, how, for instance, yesterday, three Palestinians were killed. Uh, In the past year, um, tens of uh, Palestinian uh, children were killed. such impunity, uh, no accountability. And I think if people watch this documentary, Ahmed, that you arranged for the uh, producer to be on the show, they will listen to one of the uh, Israeli peace movement uh, director. And he says, he's asked why, like, why would anybody kill such a famous, uh, well-known American journalist? And he says, because they can because they will uh, get away with it the way they got away with the murder of Rachel Corey, uh, another uh, American but no Palestinian uh, descent or no Arabic descent. It seems like uh, so much killing happens by Israelis um, and just without any type of consequences. And um, this is uh, obviously what can be frustrating. And oftentimes uh, when you hear the narrative in the United States about what's happening over there and they say well you know the palestinians hate the israelis but if you look at the numbers overwhelmingly um it's the palestinians that are dying that are getting killed uh, including uh, even an american i mean you think that as much as members of congress and politicians in the white house talks about the special relationship between the united states and israel that somehow Americans um, would be a little bit more protected. But here is an American journalist, very well known, perhaps one of the most famous Palestinian journalists in the world, Mm -hmm. targeted by the Israelis, and no one is held accountable. No one is punished for it. And um, and now she's dead, and over six months later, it's still not happening. And so Al Jazeera uh, did this uh, powerful and... um, a document or film called The Killing of Shireen Abu Akla, and uh, they delve deep into that. They investigate, or they actually go and they speak to her colleagues that were with, mm-hmm. that were with her there at the time it happened. I think five of them, cameramen, others, so many eyewitnesses, to document what happened and, and to get to the truth, which now I'm seeing that Al Jazeera has actually taken, the Al Jazeera media channel has actually taken a step further to... Um, takes the case to the International um, Criminal Court. 
And um, like I said, we're going to be joined by one of the uh, producers or the producer that was involved uh, in this powerful documentary. But before we do that, Summer, I wanted to just to play, uh, play some experts, excerpts from the film itself. Um, actually, this was... Now, the film, a lot of it is in, in the Arabic. native language, which is Arabic. Um, so, because it's a documentary film, they, ha they have the subtitles uh, underneath. Well, for radio, that's really difficult um, because you'll just hear the Arabic. You won't hear in the English. Uh, but Democracy Now!, which also airs on this station, uh, did, I guess, provide some audio uh, translation. How long is the audio? Because if you go to uh, minute 37... Uh, the audio on the original is in English. Okay, so we may play that a little bit later as well, okay. but this one is, um, I think, a few minutes, a couple of minutes. Uh, and the person, uh, this, the host uh, of the show here, or I guess the um, the one narrating and speaking, the reporter, his name is Sharif Abdul Qudus, who actually used to work for mm -hmm. Democracy Now! And yeah. Now he's an independent journalist and also working with uh, fault lines. He's also the grandson of the most famous Arabic novelist, yeah, Egyptian novelist. Yeah. Uh, all his novels, I read them when I was young, they were all about uh, love stories. But his father uh, became extremely religious, but never kind of disavowed his father. So very, very interesting background of... Uh, Family. Abel. Yeah. Hmm. Well, we're learning new things about Sharif from you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, here it is. Followed her. We were all wearing our protective gear, a vest and a helmet. We stood so that they could see us well and recognize us as journalists. This is Ali and Shadin walking by Salim. When we made sure that there were no confrontations, we started walking slowly, with slow steps. And about 25 seconds later, here they are walking with Shada and Mujahid up the street, all in their press jackets, just past the spot where Salim had a view of the military. <laughs> Suddenly, a round of bullets was fired. I shouted, Shireen, they're shooting at us. We have to get out of here. Just as I was saying, we have to get out of here, my shoulder exploded. I shouted, Shireen, I was shot, or I said, Shireen, they shot me. After the first bullet, I was able to jump behind a short wall to take shelter. Shireen and Shata reached me to jump and get out of the place, but they couldn't. They started firing at us. I immediately pressed record. I saw Ali was wounded. He walked away. Shireen was behind the tree. I could still see her hiding behind the tree. The last words that Shireen said was, Ali has been wounded. Ali has been wounded. I mean, these ears, every day, all the time, Shireen's voice is repeating in my ears. I stepped forward again and they started saying, Shireen, Shireen, but they shot at us again. I have a blank spot in my mind. I don't remember how I got behind the tree. I got behind the tree and turned around to see if Shireen could come to where I was. At that point, I saw Shireen falling to the ground. I didn't understand that she had been gravely wounded. 
I stepped forward and saw Shireen on the ground. I'm holding the camera. I bend down. I want to walk, to walk towards Shireen. The whole time I wanted to shake her, to touch her, to move her. But I was also filled with fear because the tree was what was protecting us. And if I moved her, maybe she would be wounded again. I remember when I saw the blood on the ground, when the blood started coming out, that's when I realized that she had taken a bullet to the head and I started shouting, it's her head, her head. Every time she moved, there was shooting. So I tried to approach and couldn't. A young man named Sharif jumped over the wall to try and help. But he was also fired at. An excerpt of the documentary, The Killing of Shireen Abu Welcome back to True Talk. That was um, extras from the uh, film, uh, The Killing of Shirin Abu Akhla. And actually, we're using the democracy now. Um, the democracy now. Summer, can you hear me? Yeah. Why uh, are you pointing to your ears? Because you had my mic off. When I have your mic off, you can't hear me? No, I can hear you, but I need that mic to oh, be okay. on. Because <laughs> so this is what happens you, when you're on so, the board. So why are you just pointing like, to your ears if your mic is off? Just point okay. to the mic. Okay. Okay. I thought you just, you were like saying you can't hear me. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. What is uh, uh, so, Kavita going to say now? I don't know. But She's that's a, ha what happens when you have a male running a board. Yeah, it could be. Um, but again, very powerful. You know, very I, I, powerful. I'm, it's kind of makes you, when I first watched it the first time, um, it was just like, you know, you're just in it's at the edge of your seat. You're, you feel like you're there. And then they're describing what's happening, and then you're just, it's a lot of emotions. Um, it's and not only shooting her, Ahmed, but preventing people from helping her. So right, if there this, was any, any millimeter chance of reviving her, I know they just had one hit, uh, very professional, to kill her in her brain. Yeah, a sniper. Her head, a sniper. But I mean, preventing people from helping. And yeah, I saw the young money. man that was trying to pull her over and then they started shooting at him and no one can get to her. And imagine just watching your colleague just bleed to death there. But now we're joined by um, Kavita Shukuru um, of uh, Fault Lines. She's a senior producer with Fault Lines, which is an award-winning... Um, it's Al Jazeera English's award-winning documentary program covering U.S. policy and its role around the globe. She's a graduate of Northwestern University. Her reporting focuses on human rights issues. Welcome to True Talk, Kavita. Thanks for having me. Well, um, we're just watching um, this powerful documentary or this film um, that Fault Lines uh, has made. Uh, how long have you been working on it and what was your role in this film? Um, so we started working on it in, I would say, mid-August mid was around the time that um, we decided to do something on, on the killing of Shireen. And um, yeah, I was the senior producer, which in this case for Fault Lines, it means the, the one of the reporters for it and the person who oversaw production and writing and the edit. 
And so Shireen, and just for our, view, our listeners who are not familiar with her story, when was she killed and what was uh, her role uh, at Al Jazeera? So Shireen was killed on May 11th in Janine. Um, and her role at Al Jazeera, she started in 1997 at the network. Um, and she rose to be one of its main, one of the top correspondents for the network and one of the most recognized correspondents for the network, without a doubt. Um, I, interestingly enough, none of, no one on our team knew her personally, but we knew of her because it would be very difficult to work at Al Jazeera and not know who she was. Um, and I think um, that was one of the reasons, you know, just her, the way, what she meant to people became very obvious when we were reporting in Palestine as well. Was it a difficult choice to decide to work on this uh, story? Because, um, I mean, the way your show works is, I think you have a season and you do different topics, but normally you're reporting about other things, but here Al Jazeera is actually part of the story. So was there a difficulty or a challenge in choosing to work on this story or to, to cover or investigating it because you uh, your team is actually part of the same uh, organization? Yeah, it's a really good question. I mean, you know, when right after the killing and in those kind of initial months, um, it hadn't like I think we our executive producer, Layla, who I think, you know, we had, you know, maybe it had kind of occurred to us. But then we thought, you know, it's it's the same network. So we probably maybe we shouldn't. Um, and there was a lot of reporting that was happening at that time. Um, other investigations from The New York Times, The Washington Post, CNN. Um, in addition to others who were looking at what had happened. Um, and so, but then towards the end of the summer, it kind of, it seemed like the tension had faded, which often happens with news stories, is that there's an initial rush to, to look at what happened and then everybody kind of moves on. Um, and we really didn't want people to move on from this. So we, with fault lines, with that, for us, we, you know, we're, we kind of operate with, you know, exist within the larger network. And so, just in a like, I guess, a very boring definition, way, definitional way. We, you know, we have our our kind of beat, I suppose you could say. There's other documentary shows at the network that cover um, other regions in the world, and so if we're gonna go outside the Americas, there has to be a U.S. connection. And here, there's a very strong U.S. connection, obviously, um, since Shireen was an American citizen. And um, I guess for us, one of the things is that we just approached it. Our, you know, we approached it as though this. This is just like, I'm, as any other story, I suppose, let's find out the facts and how can we push the story forward. What is, what did you uh, find out? What did your uh, reporting or investigation uncover? Yeah, I mean, so from the beginning, right, the Israeli military, they obviously, the, the first thing they said was it was likely Palestinians, um, which is not uncommon for, the, for them to see. Um, and then because the facts were so obvious, they really couldn't say that. Um, and, you know, the, what we wanted to do, because there was there was a lot of reporting about what had happened in the events of the killing, we knew we would need to retell that and look at that. But what we wanted to look at was what happened afterwards. And, in you know, it, it became very, it's, it's very clear when you look at, when you hear from the witnesses of that day, when you see the footage, 
that's one of the other things that makes this situation unique is that there's not always video footage. Um, and so when you can see something, it's, it's harder to refute, right? And in this case, there were two videos. There's the video from Salim, who's a resident of Janine. And he was doing a lot. He, he's a very, he's very proficient on TikTok, actually. He has like 18,000 followers. Oh. He, yeah. <laughs> and um, he went live at the time, you know, Israel was at that time still is conducting military raids on a regular basis. Can um, you just, I mean, before you go further, just set up the background. Where was this? Where is it? In, sure. Uh, is it in Palestine? Is it occupied territories? Where is yeah. that? What were they doing there? What were the circumstances before, you know, her killing? Sure. So back in May, and again, also throughout this year, but around that time, um, there had been, so Janine is in the, Northern West Bank, West Bank, it's in the occupied territories. And um, at the time, the Israeli military had like kind of really at that point started to conduct more and more military raids where they they kind of come in with generally their most some of their most elite units, um, which was the case on May 11th. It was the Divan unit. Um, so I, I say that just to note that it wasn't like these are some like like rookie soldiers or anything, right? This was an elite unit that was in Janine that day. Um, and, you know, the military will come in, you know, they say they're coming in to uh, arrest people on certain charges, but that's not obviously, these are often trumped up charges or, you know, so it's, you know, they say they want it. And usually maybe it's somebody who threw a stone, right? So it's, so they send in an entire army unit for that. Um, if it's even that. And um, that was one of the things that was happening that morning. There was an early, these raids when they happen, they're usually in the early morning or late, late, late at night, but never in like the broad day, middle of the day. And that was what was happening. And Shireen and the other journalists on the ground had been there to cover that. And Jazeera had been having, you know, teams going, rotating in and out to cover the these ongoing raids at the time. Um, and so... And I think one of the things that, and I hope it comes across in the documentary, but it's, you know, these these are, these journalists know what they're doing. These are, you know, between Shireen, who had over 25 years of experience as a journalist, and like Ali Samudi, who is based in Janine, has been a journalist there for over 30 years. They they know how to cover this conflict in particular. Um, So they, the, the idea that they would walk into a situation that was, you know, dangerous in that sense is kind of just impossible honestly um because basically you know i hope i'm not jumping around too much but after because there had been so much reporting on like kind of reconstructing the timeline of that day we wanted to look at both israeli and the u.s response and the israeli response since then what it's morphed to is them essentially saying because they knew that they couldn't admit that they hadn't killed her because it's very obvious at this at this point they killed her. Um, but they said there were Palestinian armed fighters in the area where the journalists were. And the U.S. then kind of latched onto that as well. Right. That was it was like, an accident. That was like the initial response. It was an accident. In fact, even before that, they said it was the Palestinians that killed her. Yeah. And so they morphed because they, so they started with it was it was Palestinians who did it. And then they said, well, maybe we need to like check it out. And then they kind of came to the point where they said, well, okay, it was us, but we were firing at Palestinians who were in the same area as the journalists. 
the the, the problem with that is that there were no there were no there were no armed Palestinians near those journalists at all, and the, that was the importance of that video footage, which again, like often does not uh, it doesn't exist in situations, but um, that video footage made it very difficult to deny that there were you know well it, you know for anybody who's who, who watches that footage you can see that, but. Israeli military and the U.S. have seemed to have just ignored the fact that that video footage exists. If you're just joining us, this is True Talk on WMNF 88.5 with Samara Ahmed. We're speaking to Kavita, Kavita Shakuru, oh. senior producer of W. I mean, senior producer of Al Jazeera. <laughs> you're maybe, not senior. Maybe in the future maybe she'll be a producer. Yeah. Summer, you might have some better questions for her because right now I don't Good. know what I'm saying. Yeah, uh, this is what happens, uh, Kavita, when you let your co-host huh? uh, run the. <laughs> <laughs> run the board. Now you're working for WMNF, but uh, it's uh, it's such a great radio station. But we don't wishful do, thinking. Yeah, but we don't do any video. You know what's interesting, Kavita, is that uh, the this documentary is really not about Shireen Abu Akla as a journalist or as a Palestinian or as an American. It's more about the killing of Shireen uh, Abu Akla. So this is maybe where it stands out. Uh, a little bit. You did not go through, for instance, the different investigations because I know the New York Times, CNN, and there is another organization and other news organizations that ha they have investigated it. You concentrated on two things. One is an Israeli um, uh, peace group and one, I think, is an international kind of group that has amazing technology that it can uh, uh, replay exactly second by second using satellite images and footage using even the weather and the wind and the yeah amazing if, wow after the fact uh, yes uh, mm. so can you address that like why did you concentrate on the kind of Israeli peace side of uh, what happened to Shireen Abu Akla? And what did this gentleman say? Why can Israel kill uh, an American journalist and get away with it? Right. I mean, I guess we, so we, we did speak to the executive director of Betzalem, which is an Israeli human rights group. And our, our purpose in talking to him, well, there was two points. One was that, so on the day she was killed, the Israeli government immediately put out a video saying, showing, um, they took video from um, Palestinians in Janine, um, and they said that these, you know, this is where the shooting, these were the people shooting. And so obviously, it's likely that Palestinians did it. Um, and Betzalem, on that very day, they sent one of their researchers who's in Janine to that location and showed that it was physically impossible. So they immediately debunked that. So we wanted to speak to them just kind of as like at that starting point. But then the other point of talking to them was that you know, they have a long history of investigating the Israeli military. Um, and actually for a long time, they tried to work with them, what they used to try and work with the military to try and get them to investigate. Um, so they tried to cooperate, right? Because they hoped that it would lead to accountability and justice for Palestinian civilians. But they, you know, eventually they realized that that it wasn't going anywhere. So, and actually, in 2016, they stopped. They stopped working with the Israeli military because they they say it, you know, the, and then the executive director says in the documentary that 
investigations are sham investigations and that they felt that it was a whitewash. And so they stopped. And so the reason we wanted to speak to them is because the U.S., you know, for us, we wanted to focus on that U.S. side because because there were all those media, other, other media groups had, you know, put out their own investigations. For us, looking at what the U.S. had, how, how they have responded since was really important. And the main part of the U.S. response has been to up, you know, kind of like hold up, you know, hold, uh, or uphold the Israeli investigation as a reason that they don't need to do anything anymore. And so then our question was, well, what was the Israeli investigation? And it's become clear that, you know, there's just no transparency in Betzalem. So that was one of the reasons that we wanted to talk to them, because they have this long history of looking into the Israeli military's um, investigations. I want to, um, yeah, go ahead, uh, Kavita. Sorry. Oh, and I was just going to speak about the other organization you yeah. mentioned, but it, no, yeah. Do you know their name? In case? Yeah. So there, so the, so the other people we spoke to, um, it was, it was a, there was a joint investigation that came out, the part of it came out in, I think mid to late September, and then they released the rest of it in early November, but it was a joint investigation between Forensic Architecture, which is a UK-based research organization, and then and then Al Haq, which is a Palestinian human rights organization, and Al Haq has their they have their own forensic unit as well, and so the two of them work. These two organizations work together to look into the killing as well. And what they did is they took um, a lot of the you know when you're looking to in, into any story really but in particular like a story like this one of the first things you want to do is look at social media honestly and so on that morning just like Salim there were other videos from that day from that morning from residents in Janine where they put out short little videos on particularly on telegram um where you can see the Israeli convoy that was there um on the street and so you can see their location and so they took all of those videos, they analyzed, I think, as you mentioned, they, for instance, one of their, was really, was really amazing is they can analyze the shadow so that they can see what time of day that, you know, where they were to kind of corroborate essentially like where they were at what point. Um, and so they took those videos and they put them into their software, which to be very honest, it's not something I understand because I am not very tech proficient. Um, but they can put that into software to recreate their placement on the street and then figure out kind of look at where the trajectory of the shot would have been um had gone to and then more than that to look at what the so the israeli convoy it was five to six jeeps essentially and the last one closest to the journalist had a sniper hole I mean, you can kind of see it in Salim's video, actually. And the, in fact, the Israeli military has actually said that the shot came from one of their snipers with a rifle with a telescope on it. And so al Hakan forensic architecture then tried to basically went to that exact spot and, you know, mid, like, kind of recreated what the sniper in that situation would have seen. And it's very obvious they would have seen that Shireen and the other journalists there that the large press label on their flak jackets was very visible. And to be honest with you, when we were in Janine, we also went to that same spot. You don't you wouldn't have needed a telescope, a telescopic rifle to have seen that it was it's a very short distance. You would have seen to, to the naked eye. It would have been very obvious. If you're just joining us, this is True Talk on WMNF 88.5 with Kavita Shukuru, she is a senior producer with 
uh, Al Jazeera's fault lines. They just finished the documentary or aired a documentary film called The Killing of Shirin Abu Akhla. And um, just the other day, I think yesterday or the day before, now Al Jazeera um, is suing or is taking a case to the International Criminal Court. Some of it may even be footage or information that was also uh, included in this documentary. Uh, I haven't actually seen uh, the actual lawsuit, but I wanted to play another part of the uh, of the film of your film uh, for our listeners, and then uh, get your reaction. So, if you could stand by. This is the rosary that was in her bag when they got it for us from Janine. She always had it in her purse. This is, this is our Filfal. Shirin had adopted him three years ago. I don't dare to say the nickname that we call Shirin because he would run to the door and wait for her. How did you first hear about what happened? I first heard about it from my dad. I got a news alert saying that Shirin Abu Akhle, uh, was injured in, uh, while covering in Jenin. And the first thing I did, I sent her a message and I told her, Shirin, I just got this news alert. Uh, are you fine? Please call me. I'm trying to call you. And I tried to call her a couple of times. She wasn't picking up. You know, you get a ringtone, but no one is picking up. And uh, I called my daughter, Lena. I was watching Al Jazeera until 7.04, there was nothing. And then there came a breaking news that, you know, this uh, alert in red saying Shireen Abakhli was murdered in Jenin while covering. And uh, it was shocking to me, shocking. Two days after Shirin was killed, her funeral was held in occupied East Jerusalem. Thousands of people came out into the streets to mourn her loss, but also recognize what she meant to Palestinians. But the mood of grief and remembrance was quickly shattered. The minute we stepped out of the moor carrying the casket, we were attacked savagely by the Israeli occupation, beating on mourners, wall bearers, using batons, using tear gas, using sun grenades. They were just doing their best. They were trying to get to have the casket fall on the ground for no reason. In that moment, it felt like they were trying to silence her again. They were trying to control the funeral procession, control how we're going to mourn her. It was clear that they feared her. They feared the crowd. They feared the impact she's had. And I don't think they anticipated this kind of a reaction from the Palestinians. She was able to deliver the suffering and the voice of the Palestinian people. And that's how she was known, you know. You know, I, I, I still hear it every day. We grew up watching Shireen, hearing her reports, listening to her reports and all this.
That's my favorite picture of her. That was uh, experts from um, the killing of Shireen Abu Akla, who, uh, which was just aired on Al Jazeera. And um, the last voice that you heard there is actually Lena Abu Akla, her sister. No, her uh, niece. Her niece? She's uh, she she only has herself, yani, and her uh, brother. The one you were listening uh, talking was her uh, brother. Yeah, she's much younger. And so he found and he found out from the watching uh, the news. The news. Can you believe it? How cruel. And uh, to our listeners, you know, uh, you know, I am Palestinian. I and I follow anything about Palestine and especially news. I never knew Ahmed that she was uh, a Christian. Um, right. I mean, I never, not that because no. the reality is, in that they don't really. It's not a huge factor. It's not like oh, Shireen, she's the Christian. No. She's just Shireen the Palestinian. Plus, she's always covering mm-hmm. Jerusalem, and she's always covering uh, the attacks on Al Aqsa. And when she goes to Al Aqsa area, she's wearing like a hair cover, or if you want to call it. A but hijab. even don't I, I think Christian uh, Arab Christians also wear. A scarf uh, when they go to church. Yeah. So, um, and I'm. I just wanted you to know, Kavita, that uh, although I've never met her, but I myself had no idea that she was a Christian, and this shows you the wow. harmony in Palestine. And I had no idea that she was an American. Actually, the first time I found that was from the American ambassador in Israel, who said uh, we are following. And I'm thinking, since when the U.S. Embassy would follow news? And then he says, because we confirmed that Shireen is an American, not that it made a difference. But I want to ask mm-hmm. you, was it easy for you as a producer to work uh, in uh, occupied Palestine as well as uh, trying to get access to the State Department? Because your uh, amazing documentary, and the name is The Killing of Shireen Abu Aqla, um, Sharif actually was able to ask, uh, uh, I think, at the State Department as well as the White House, trying to get some answers. Was it easy for you as a producer and a team to be working in these both areas? Well, I guess I'll start with the D.C. part of it. Um, it no, no is the short answer, I suppose. Um, you know, we had requested an interview. We started requesting an interview with the State Department in, starting in, I think, late August was when we began. Um, and, it, you know, we wanted we wanted Secretary of State Blinken. Um, I think we knew that that was kind of um, probably a long shot to get. And it turns out it was. And so we ended up getting the spokesperson. And, um, and even then, we were given a limited amount of time um, to to ask him questions about it. Um, and it's, you know, and the same thing with the White House, um, you know, again, we knew that that was a long shot, that, that more, perhaps more so than even the State Department. Um, but um, we were glad we were able to go to the briefing label to ask a question, because even then, just, you know, it's, you're not, you don't even know that for sure that you'll be called on. Um, so we're glad that we, you know, that happened. And then we, we did try to ask President Biden, actually, you can see a little bit of footage where Sharif, mm-hmm is outside and he tries to yell a question at President Biden, you know, there was a helicopter nearby. So it wasn't, it was again, another long shot, but we kind of, it was really important to us in all of these situations to just try. Um, And when it comes to reporting when we were in in Palestine, um, I mean, I think, I guess the difficulties, you know, we, you know, we, 
not that you really, I don't think any of it was in the footage in the documentary, but we did film a little bit in, um, like in the old city and outside of Al-Aqsa. And, um, you know, the difficulties are in that the security forces there are constantly telling you to move, get out of the way. And we had very, like, I guess, you know, for us, comparatively, compared to other journalists who are covering Palestine on a daily basis, you know, you know, it was a minimally bad experience, I suppose you could say, you know, we, you know, they didn't hurt us, for instance. Um, but obviously, in a lot of situations, that's not the case. Um, so I think, you know, I wish if we'd had more time, we could have looked at, you know, the kind of the broader, you know, challenges and risks to journalists covering Palestine. Because um, it's very clear, especially this year, that it's becoming more dangerous, right? Since even since Shireen was killed, there's been numerous instances what um of israeli security forces or the military attacking journalists um mujahid um who um al-sadi who's um a journalist in janine and one of the witnesses to the killing um and he was he was one of shireen's friends too um he's a journalist based in janine and just i think it was maybe five days before we interviewed him in october he and his and other journalists in Janine had had to take cover because the Israeli military, they'd been conducting another raid and they started firing at them and they were able to take cover because they were on a balcony. But the only way they were able to really get out of the situation was they called the Red Cross and said, can you tell them to stop? And it actually took a few minutes. It took a little, you know, it wasn't immediately, but, you know, it finally it did. But that just to show you, it's it, you know that was just you know they're very deep risks facing Palestinian journalists. So our experience comparatively was you know it's nothing that can compare. Rather, I let's suppose. just remind our listeners: this is True Talk on WMNF eighty-eight point five FM. Ahmed, my co-host, is running the board, and I am Samar Jarrah talking to Kavita Shikura, who is a senior producer for Fort Lines. Uh, uh, fault lines one of the best uh, documentary producers uh, in the world how is the reaction <laughs> in the world well actually uh, fault lines is a very uh, uh has won several uh, mm-hmm. awards and emmys emmys and not for uh, issues related to the arab world i think mainly right i wonder if this one will be nominated or how was you know. how was the reaction so far um i think the reaction has been good i think you know most importantly, um, Lena, her niece, told us that she really, she she really liked it. So you know that I that is one of the main things we care about. Um, so and it's you know beyond that, it does seem like people have been watching it, and that's all we really want. We want people to watch it, and we want her this case to stay in the news. And you know, hopefully, by her case staying in the news, the situation in Palestine will also stay in the news. Um, so, yeah. We should consider hosting a, an event maybe in Tampa or even, you know, in other place or for us would be Tampa and get community people to watch it and get reactions. Maybe you should. Maybe maybe have uh, Kavita come down to Florida and, you know, speak Ooh. about it. I do you ever do that kind of work? Do you guys ever like screen we, or premiere your do. films? 
Um, we, um, we, we do try to do screenings when we can. Um, we're a pretty small team, so um, we, but we do what we can. But when we have done screenings um, and we, uh, yeah, so that is something we've done before. Outside Washington? This film. Or is it mainly? Yeah. Okay. No, outside Washington too. Actually, this season, um, we, um, actually before this, I worked, I, I, I wasn't able to go because I was working on the, on this, the Shireen film, but mm-hmm. we um, did another at Fault Lines on the killing of journalists in Mexico. Um, and we screened it in Mexico City, which was really exciting. Well, um, interesting. Was it yeah. safe to do that? Because you're kind of talking about a... You're you're taking the show to um, the heart of the of the matter. Oh yeah, yeah, that was yeah, and it's you know, um, you know, not to go too off topic, but actually, I do, I do think there's some connections between the two stories or films. But you know, mm. in that case, you know, uh, the threats to journalists in Mexico. Um, the connection, I suppose, is that you know, in Mexico, when journalists are being killed, um, it's you know, sometimes it's by cartel figures, but often it's often by public officials and kind of the reality is it's just like they don't want that information out there. They don't want people to know about it for people to ask questions. They want it to be hidden. Right. And I think if you're, you know, one of the things we asked, you know, the journalists um, that witnessed the killing of Shreen, you know, why, why do you think they would want to target you or why do they target journalists? Um, And they said, because they don't want, you know, because they don't want people to see what's happening here, the shootings, the arrests, the executions, um, the, all of these things, they don't want people to see. So I think when you look at journalists being targeted outside of kind of traditional war zones, right? Like this isn't, it's not Ukraine, but there is a, you know, there is a military involved here, but it's not a even, you know, there's not, it's not the same. Um, and the same thing in Mexico, it's not a traditional conflict um, in that sense. And so if it's not that it's, you know, I think the link there is that people don't want that there's a a you know system that does not want certain things to be seen. Right. Um this wasn't in, was not included in your film um because it only happened 3 weeks ago but the US Justice Department announced that they and informed the Israeli government that they've officially opened an FBI investigation into the death and the killing of uh, of Shireen Abouakla, the Palestinian American journalist, um, is, do you think that's going to make a difference at all, or is that something that you guys um, uh, are considering maybe doing a follow up on? Because this is highly unusual for the FBI to investigate these kind of uh, murders, and it seems like it's. I'm, I'm a little surprised one that it's happening, and then two that's actually they announced it so late, you know, five months mm-hmm. after her murder. Yeah, it's um. So there's a lot of thing, a lot of questions surrounding the FBI investigation. So the first part of it is that the DOJ and FBI, no one from the administration, have confirmed it's happening, but they haven't denied it either. And so the only way the news came out is that it was originally broken by an Israeli channel, Israeli um, uh, channel 14, and then the then the defense minister, you know, Benny, came out and said that they Benny weren't. Gets, yeah, there's like this is a yeah. grave mistake or something. Yeah, and said that they weren't going to cooperate. So that's kind of where it's coming from. But no one in the U.S., no one from the Biden administration has or will confirm it. Um, and then the other part of it is that traditionally, so the FBI does investigate, um, you know, if an American citizen is killed abroad, they can investigate and they have, right? But this is like a very different circumstance than a lot of those investigations. Um, and why you know, Why is it different? 
so normally, so like for instance, um, in you know, just as one example, in October, an American citizen was killed in Mexico, and the circumstances around it are not clear. So the FBI is investigating in that case, right? But it in this case, we're talking about you know, this is a high-profile killing. Um, implicating a partner's mil and partner country's military, right? Um, and so it's there's a lot of political ramifications right. too. Um, so there's that. But the other part of it is that, ge- I mean, generally speaking, the DOJ and the FBI are supposed to be independent of the administration. Um, there's no law saying that the White House can't direct um, them to investigate something, but generally they're supposed to be separate. That's kind of the you know, how it's supposed to be. So we don't know if this was a, if the DOG just did this on their own and said, we're going to investigate or if the administration or the state department, you know, said you, we want you to investigate. The thing though, is that at this point, by the time they announced it, it was, it was over six months actually since she had been killed um, that they, they said they were going to investigate. And so you have to wonder why it took so long, what right. changed who decided? And then beyond that, the fact is, is that in those six months, the U.S. has made it very, very clear in every single statement that they are happy with the Israeli investigation and its in, its conclusions. So they and they have, you know, essentially said the exact same thing as the Israeli investigation um, that she was killed. And I, I believe the spokesperson, you know, from the State Department called it a tragic gunfight. Um, and tragic gunfight that she was not no one else was involved in except the israeli yeah. side <laughs> um, it's a one-way so, gunfight yeah. yeah exactly and so they've yeah but th- that's been their you know kind of talking point and their line and you know their how what they've said is kind of what have they i believe john kirby from the national security council he says the investigation is done so that's it um you know yeah, that guy so, can be zero, very annoying I mean, that's just a side point. You don't have to agree, but... Sorry, say that again? I said he can be very annoying whenever <laughs> I see him on, t- on television, his answers. Uh, the IDF concluded in September that Shireen was most likely, quote, most likely killed in unintentional fire from an Israeli soldier who did not realize she was a journalist. My gosh, your documentary shows it so clearly how they were wearing the vest that said press and how, like you said, they're professionals. So they have a system of walking slowly, uh, very, exactly. very slowly, no sudden moves and very clear. And they, uh, they've they done it thousands of times. So they know amazing how words can be manipulated. But thanks so much, uh, Kavita, for this amazing documentary. And I encourage people to go watch it. I think up till now, maybe 40,000 people have seen it. It should be seen by millions. Of course. I mean, when you have like cat videos like that. Are, <laughs> yeah, that are seen by millions of people, um, yeah, you can find it, I guess, on YouTube or the Al Jazeera website, and it's called The Killing of Shireen Abu Akhla. Uh, go ahead and make sure that you watch that. Um, it's only, how, it's like 30, Six, seven, 36, eight. 37 minutes long. Uh, but thank you for the great work that you're doing, and we hope to have you back on. Thank you, and thank you for, um, thank you for watching the documentary. Or we could have you in news. person in <laughs> yeah. sunny Florida. If you're I mean, not I would like that. It's very cold right now. So, up here. Okay. so yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's time to get away. We'll make sure it's in the Thank winter. You, Thank you so much for being uh, with us, Kavita Shakuru. She is um, a senior producer at Fault Lines, which is an award-winning documentary uh, show on Al Jazeera. Um,
Summer is just. Let mixed. me just uh, say uh, the spelling of her name because you, we keep saying Shireen Abu Akhla, but people, and we say it so fast. Shireen is ret- written S H I R E E N A B U Abu. Abu means father of. Yeah. Akhla, A K L E H, A K L E H. Shireen Abu Akhla, very. Very fascinating uh, human being. We are, uh, you know, we host a show here. We're, um, I guess, for, you know, once a week we uh, play journalist, show host in the safety and comfort of our studio here in Tampa, Florida, or or doing it remote. We're not necessarily risking our lives on the front Mm -hmm. lines, but it's just... Well, with the exception of those death threats we've received uh, from time to time. The The last ones I got two weeks ago. Oh, yeah. We want to talk about that next week because there's not enough time about it. But you've got a lot of attacks and hate. And it's because of you made one tweet. We want to talk about that story. It's about this Israeli guy who is says he's an Israeli reporter and he is spreading peace at the World Cup. But then somehow uh, some uh, publications in Arabic uncovered his true identity as an IDF soldier who was operating in all these... uh, um, you know, campaigns of and, and you know attacking Palestinians, and you helped expose that somehow, or they blamed it I all just, on you because no, you I made a tweet. Tweet, I retweeted something. I no, was, this is, I, half asleep. I was worried about you because you sent me a lot oh of the screenshots God. of the things you've received, and it's horrifying. Yeah. I mean, I, but again, it just it just just shows you whenever you want to talk about the truth, the consequences that come with it, and that's how they shut people up. When you start, you know, talking about the truth and you get intimidated and you get attacked and you're you're like, when is it worth risking my life? Um, but we're out of time, Summer. We're going to talk about that next week. Maybe, I don't know, uh, a lot of it we can't really repeat on the air, but we can maybe try yeah. of the things that were said to you. This is WMNF Tampa. NPR News is next. And um, after that is uh, Stewie. I see him right over there. Stewie. Stewie. <laughs> Um, Stuart. Stuart, he's uh, there and he's looking great with his headphones and um, he shaved his head. Um, I don't know if that's relevant, but uh, we're going to leave you with this music before. NPR is coming up. Again, this is uh, Summer Song, Sarah. Sarah. <laughs>